That's nearly $2 billion, and that's money that's going to be spent on improving safety, enhancing mobility, and improving economic growth and development in the state of Mississippi. Yeah, and with this historic funding from the legislature, new construction will be popping up all over Mississippi. MDOT presents the Extra Mile Podcast. Men and women of the Department of Transportation are up to the task and up to make sure that we deliver a product that the taxpayers uh, can be proud of. So I'm ready for us to go to work. Welcome into another edition of the Extra Mile Podcast presented by the Mississippi Department of Transportation. I'm MDOT Deputy Director of Public Affairs, Paul Katul. And as always, I'm joined by my co-host, Will Kraft. He is the Director of Public Affairs at the Mississippi Department of Transportation. And it's been several months since we've taken the show on the road. After a, a long legislative session, we decided we want to get down to the Mississippi Gulf Coast. Oh, yeah. And we are, uh, we are at the Gulfport Transit Center, and we are here to speak with Kevin Coggin, who is the Executive Director of the Coast Transit Authority. Kevin, thank you so much for hosting us today. My pleasure. Absolutely. Awesome. So before the show, we were kind of talking a little bit about this building. So can you kind of tell us where uh, where we're at? Very interesting building. Uh, it was built in 1966. There is architectural historical significance, uh, heavily damaged in Katrina. And uh, we invested $10 million of uh, USDOT money and rebuilt this building and um, it's called uh, Adaptive Reuse. It was the headquarters building of the Harrison County Library System, and we converted it over to the hub of transit operations in Gulfport, and we've got some lease space upstairs, a beautiful building. Uh, the community was really happy that we restored it, <clears throat> and it is now on the U.S. Park Service list of historic places. And it's it's awesome. Yeah. Um, I know you guys are real proud of it, but just walking around, um, first time I've ever been in here, uh, and it is incredible. It's a good-looking facility, loads and loads of history. Um, you guys got the walls decorated with, with lots of things going on. What was the uh, right out front here that you mentioned? Captain Jones, I think. Was that yeah, right? Captain Jones was the uh, founder of the city of Gulfport. He was a big uh, businessman, big in uh, lumber, and you can see some renderings, murals and whatnot over there. It was, uh, benefactor and and uh, actually he donated this piece of property to the city of oh, Gulfport wow. that this building was built on so him and his wife were tremendous in uh, supporting people and, and helping found Gulfport and they're still contributing yeah you know absolutely I mean, indirectly by all means and uh, beautiful just to keep talking about the building and the history of it uh, so again there's loads of history on the walls paintings and uh, beautiful works of art that kind of detail a lot of these things and then and we take a look uh, behind uh, the director here, and there's this beautiful background force of the uh, of the what's the word I'm looking for? The marine facility over there, yeah, the Mississippi aquarium. aquarium. Aquarium, could not think yeah. of it. Aquarium. Uh, yeah, we've got the dolphins spouting out some water right here behind us, and uh, it's like an open invitation to go explore that direction right now. We're gonna go check it out as soon as we wrap up for sure. But yeah, it's I mean, really awesome building. It's very nice down here. For sure. So, do you just want to tell us uh, what is the Coast Transit Authority? We'll we'll get right to it. We've been serving the Gulf Coast with public transit services since 1972. Do a lot of things. Uh, we're evolving as uh, time goes on and the community evolves. We do fixed route bus service. We do a lot of categorizes demand response. That's kind of a catch-all. Senior citizen services, services for people with disabilities. Uh, we bring senior center, seniors to centers every day, grocery shopping once a week. 
doctor's appointments three times a week. Uh, we're really starting to do a lot of access to health care, transportation, both physical and mental health care. That's really taken off like a rocket sure. um, with, with, with the amount of money that's being pumped into, especially mental health care uh, as part of the federal uh, gun control bill. Believe it or not, uh, there was a, a lot of focus on mental health and they're really pumping a lot of money into mental health, which should be. So sure. we're helping people access that. We do uh, van pool transportation, work transportation on the I-10 corridor. A lot of people don't realize we do that. That's significant. Uh, we're operating in uh, Panhandle of Florida, lower counties of Alabama, lower counties of Mississippi, and uh, the New Orleans Chalmette area, Slidell of Louisiana, bringing people to work in Mississippi every day. So wow. we do a lot of things. We basically, I've talked about how we've evolved over time. Uh, whatever the community needs us to do, we try and position ourselves to do that. And I did not realize, so you guys are actually offering services uh, across state lines. So right. y'all have done something right, apparently, uh, to grow to that nature over the years. We, li we like to think so. We're, we're not, we don't have geographical boundaries, typically, a, uh, and we're an urban transit system. Uh, they are owned, operated by cities, county, states. For instance, uh, Jackson Transit is operated by the city of Jackson and Hattiesburg the same. We're a true independent regional transportation service. So uh, we're set up uh, kind of like a public utility. We're a commission. So okay. we, we really have a lot of flexibility in the things that we, can, that we are able to do. Oh, that's really neat. Yeah, I didn't that realize is. that at all. And the van pool, so that's just to, to and from work, right? Right. Uh, we have a private company that does that, Enterprise Commute. They do a great job. So uh, there's a lot of things that the private sector uh, do, can can and, and do much better than we can. And we realized that early on. Uh, it was a result of Hurricane Katrina. Mm. Working with Huntington Ingalls, we were asked to work with them to help them reestablish their workforce. So. We had uh, the pleasure of working with the largest single employer in the state of Mississippi to start yeah. our van pool program. And, uh, you know, I was talking to a consultant about it, and he real highly recommended we look at uh, letting the private sector do that. And it, it works great. That's all they do. They're, they're experts in it. And it's our brand. It's Coast Commuter, and, and we pay them for it. It's very successful. That's awesome. That's good stuff. So, uh, so at MDOT, we, you know, touch public transit. Obviously, you know, you provide tr uh, public transit. So how do you kind of uh, interact, interface with the Mississippi Department of Transportation? So we, we have um, had historically a very good working relationship with MDOT public transit. They have been very helpful. Um, the, the short version is we're of a size where we work directly with Federal Transit Administration, Region 4, is the largest FTA region in their Atlanta office. We work, we're, we're what's called a, a direct recipient. So money is programmed through FTA directly to us. And so we're not under the umbrella of MDOT public transit. And so they really don't have to be involved in urban transit systems, but they do. Sure. And it, it has been a really great working relationship and I appreciate uh, the MDOT, the board, and executive management. And I'm not just saying this because I've been executive director 
at CTA since 2003, a long time. Wow, yeah. Work, Charles Carr is phenomenal, yeah. the uh, director Definitely. of the Intermodal Planning Office, and and it, it just, we have, CTA and the Gulf Coast has been a, a, a good, great beneficiary of MDOT's help with, you know, making sure we provide a good urban system for the Gulf Coast all these years. I really appreciate their their help and their friendship. Absolutely. Yeah, we, I mean, we appreciate the kind words. Uh, speaking of that, kind of the, the crossover and work between us, uh, you know, public transit uh, has been something that, you know, as you've mentioned, you guys have been working on for a long time and have, and have obviously built such a great enterprise and uh, reputation, but uh, it seems like it, it's even picking up more steam uh, with the legislator this past session putting an additional $30 million into MDOT's multimodal fund. Uh, of which public transit, you know, operations. I know you guys talked about um, you're, you're so large, you're kind of a direct recipient from the federal, but, you know, hey, I think it, all, what is that they say, all, all, all a rising tide raises all ships, so. Um. Yeah, we're, we're very appreciative of the, uh, the Gulf Coast delegation, and uh, they, they saw the need to uh, really invest in intermodalism, and, and a lot of states don't do that, and MDOT is one of the few states that funds public transit directly, and the legislature is now coming in and providing additional funding. Well, historically, MDOT took $10 million out of their general money right. and funded the, the multimodal funding program, which is uh, airports, seaports, railroads, and public transit. And we've been a beneficiary of that. And uh, it's been a long time since there has been an increase That's in right. investment in that. So for the legislature to, to come up this time and, and put that additional funding is, is really significant right. and we really appreciate it. Absolutely. Well, that's awesome that we can all kind of work together for a, a really good thing. So you mentioned it, uh, you've yeah. been executive director since 2003 and I have in my notes that you know two years in Hurricane Katrina hit. I know that's not a really <laughs> pleasant thing to talk about but kind of what what was it like back then when, when Katrina hit the coast? So. Uh, I've been with Coast Transit since 1989, and I was appointed executive director in 2003. Wow. And I used to do these, uh, all these lengthy bios, you know, when I go speak or people ask me for my bio, and my bio simply says now that I'm a veteran of hurricanes, oil spills, <laughs> pandemics, and mm -hmm. economic strife. It's and, true. And you just, you know, you have to work at it, and, and you, it's a lot of crisis management, especially living here with hurricanes, the devastation. And, um, you know, um, when I was appointed in 2003, there was, you know, we had some political issues and some financial issues, and uh, I'm blessed to have a really good, dedicated board of commissioners who are mission-oriented, and we worked together and stabilized the local political support and financial support in 2003 and then 2005 comes and just, you know, <laughs> washes all that off the map, literally. literally. Yeah. Uh, our best route was right here on Highway 90. We were carrying about, I think, then it was like, you know, 250,000 passengers a year on Highway 90 and Highway 90 was wiped out. But, yeah. you know, we, we used that as an opportunity to rebuild the system and get the money and, and went and our federal delegation was tremendous and MDOT uh, was tremendous in helping us and we totally rebuilt the entire system which set the stage for where we are today with uh, rebuilding our main facility which was in bad shape and all new buses and 
and just kind of refreshed our business model and we had some uh, really smart people come in and consultants and help us reconfigure what the service looked like so all of that and that period from 2005 to 7 set the stage for you know the success we have today and of course you know then you had the great recession and 2008 and oil spills and then the pandemic and you know, it's, know to be honest with you shell oil will be glad to hear this but i mean i almost <laughs> forgot about the oil spill with yeah, everything else that's yeah happened. i mean it's you know we it, we've benefited from that so yeah and i forget you know the bp i said shell i guess bp yeah. uh you know we got the settlement and that is still uh, being invested back into the state but that's lord right. i almost forgot about it with everything else that's happened that's right um well and then you know katrina obviously being one of the worst of the worst but hurricane season something we deal with annually um <clears throat> under mdot we're kind of in the middle of our hurricane prep campaign right now right. getting the word out what what does that kind of look like for you right now as far as transits is concerned well unfortunately we have a lot of experience we don't do tabletop exercises because of uh, you know we however you want to look at it probably fortunately we have a lot of these little low level events like tropical sure. storms so we're constantly testing our system and, and what we do and we're actually uh esf one emergency support function one at the harrison county emergency management oh, wow. agency we have a seat in the, the emergency operations center and when they activate it and we're there managing all ground transportation needs for harrison county Okay. And uh, we're, we're committed to providing evacuation transportation when the, the EMA calls for evacuation. And there's five uh, big shelters um, that are, are self-contained shelters that they use. People can stay long-term if they need to. So we transport to the shelters, and then after the event, we transport people back. And, and so what we learned in Katrina that was different we used to be kind of stressed out when there was an evacuation but in Katrina the community was devastated and people lost their houses their cars their jobs and so we devised a bunch of different new uh, routes specific for those people you know they were living in schools and whatnot to connect them to recovery efforts you know they got to get, get but FEMA and MEMA and the government and you know where it get you know get back on their feet so that is an unknown that you can't really plan for because every storm is different so you don't know what it's going to do to the community but we learned that and, and now when we do these evacuations which is usually you bring them to a shelter one day and bring them home the next day that's not a big deal right I mean but it could could be a lot worse sure and 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 we learned a lot of things from Katrina uh, the, mo the the most important thing I learned personally was to communicate to the community what we're doing and sure. what we can do uh, and and be more helpful and and we weren't in the emergency management agency group uh, prior to Katrina but we are now and that's another sure. good thing that came out of it they saw what we did and they realized how important it is and, and uh, so, you know, as a community, we learn from these things. I bet so. Uh, Absolutely. So we have a subject matter expert here. And, you know, one of our, our main messages or our main message during, you know, hurricane season is, you know, have a plan, know your way out. So we have a subject matter, matter expert here. Can you kind of tell everybody the importance of having a plan and, and knowing your way out? Yeah, absolutely. Um, we tell people to have a plan and, and we tell them where the resources are to develop that. And 
Uh, we're here to help get people out of harm's way. If, if kind of, as a last resort, we encourage right. people to leave, and that's where the MDOT highway system comes in place. Sure. And uh, so our, our message is not, you know, we're going to take care of you. It's okay to stay here. If they tell you to leave, you need to leave and, and have a plan. And there, there's a lot, you know, MDOT has resources, and there, there's a ton of resources out there, what to do, what to take. Sure. And, but, but, you know, just get in your car and leave. And, and, but if you're going to stay, we don't want you to stay. Uh, if you're going to stay, we're going to bring you to a shelter. But what, what people need to understand is, uh, especially in a devastating event like Hurricane Katrina, it's a really strain on the system to take care of people in that kind of catastrophic event where, you know, you literally lost everything and now you're dependent on the government and, and we're now responsible for, for taking care of you. That's true. Uh, and, and, you know, our ability to do that, it, you know, it depends on the event and, um, and and it's up to local people they don't understand how these emergency management agencies work they think the gov federal government's going to come swooping in and right. take care of everything and it doesn't work that way yeah. it's local Harrison County and MDOT and MEMA and, and, and you, we need to be prepared to take care of ourselves for a week basically sustain life and, and we are and, and we have that experience but we don't want people to have the perception that, you know, I'm just going to stay here, and if there's another Cat 5 Katrina, you know, FEMA's going to come swooping right. in. And, and uh, you know, after a Cat 5 event, FEMA sends one guy originally wow. to the emergency management agency, and he's point of contact for what the county needs. So it's not like the, the federal government's coming in here building you a new house. That's right. And, sure. and it, it, it's just tough on local governments sure. to... Well, even the, you know, the notion, uh, or I guess the, the possibility that I could be, you know, totally dependent upon the government to, to save me in, in a situation like that, because it could be such that, you know, like you just said, storm comes in, it, it may wipe out everything. You know, just kind of knowing that, I want to have some type of plan in place so that, you know, because, yeah, folks depend on you to make those decisions in situations of crisis like that. And uh, getting that plan together is not necessarily just for you, but even folks, your dependents that are counting on you to get them out, you know, too, so... By all means, spend some time and think about what happens when the storms come in and put a little plan together, sit down with the folks and the family and, and get that all out. I mean, even uh, I can remember doing, you know, even like fire emergencies, you know, in school, yep. fire happened, you knew where to go or, you know, situations. Why not in your own personal life at home, uh, you know? So the, the problem with people locally like myself, we've been through so much of this and, you know, sure. it, d depending on the severity, how concerned you get. Yeah. You know, if it's a one or two or three, that don't get your attention, but three and up, it gets your attention. And you never really know where they're going to go. They're getting really, really good to weather services at predicting uh, landfall within two days. So it's much better than it used to be. But we have a lot of people that kind of get caught up in it. They misjudge it. It's like, I don't want to leave. And then Oh, well, Cat 5's coming tomorrow, and they can't get on the highway because everybody waited to the last minute. Y'all yeah. know that, and it's happened in Florida and a lot of places. And, and you just got to have your plan like we're talking about and your resources and make every decision ahead of time. And this situation, I'm going to leave. I can tell you personally, I've already talked to my wife. I'm going to retire in two years, and, oh. and we're leaving. 
<laughs> gonna go ahead. We're, and, le- we're leaving. Gonna hit the coast train right I'm on not, up. I'm, I mean, I got insurance on my house. I have family yeah. here. I'm gonna get my wife and a dog, and we're leaving. I'm not. I'm not going through that. Go explore and see what else. Uh, yeah, work. I mean, a cat, a cat five when I don't have to. No. That's right. Well, hey, like you said, <laughs> you've been here through all of them. You know. Yep. Uh, and it's so very similar to this. It's kind of just a funny point on that. You know, I, my, one of my best friends in the world, he said, uh, I've been riding dirt bikes for 10 years, but I never had an accident until I wasn't scared of it anymore. You know, the day he was not afraid and it was no big deal is when he broke his leg. Kind of, I'm sure it's a little bit of a similar situation, right. you know. Oh, yeah, well, don't don't just take it from MDOT. Yeah. Take it from Kevin at the Coast Transit Authority. You know, have a plan and, and, you know, get out when you need to get out. That's right. So Wrapping up, uh, last couple of things here, just uh, future got, future goals, challenges you guys are facing or dealing with. It really may not be anything as far as challenges. I'm sure there are uh, future goals that you guys want to incorporate or expand upon. Well, things are, are, are really changing in, in transit uh, arena in terms of type of services we're providing. So some of the stuff we've done historically, like fixed route, is, is not what we need to be doing. And uh, people are, are looking at uh, multiple forms of transportation. And so uh, we're like every other transit system is how, how what, what type of service do we need to provide to continue to be relevant, relevant meaning people are using it. Right. And so we're uh, analyzing uh, what type of service we need to be providing for the next 15, 20 years and looking at modernizing and bringing in some technologies. And of course, that's always challenging. And uh, uh, that, that's probably our biggest challenge is uh, getting it right when we make our uh, when we make our our next 15 20 year plan getting that right especially if you're going to invest money in sure. it. I, well, I, I guess a small side question on there have you guys looked at any or is that a conversation even happening autonomous and EV type vehicles for transit we are uh, we're operating the first pure battery electric vehicle in the state in public transit in that's the state right. of Mississippi oh yeah we're running a lot of propane, uh, so long-term, uh, our small buses and medium-sized buses, we're going to run propane. We're phasing out all diesel engines now and going to gas, oh, wow. propane. We're looking at EV vehicles for our bigger buses. They're very expensive. I'm sure. And they're reliable. They're not experimental anymore, but they're very expensive to buy up front. You save a lot of money operating, but there's a lot of range issues now. And we're actually looking at some hydrogen. Oh, wow, uh, we, really? we may have a hydrogen fuel cell project. Uh, we're talking to a company That's about awesome. possibly doing hydrogen. So we're kind of taking a, a wait and see attitude towards evolution in the heavy duty EV vehicle, whether it's going to be pure battery or hydrogen and, and see. And, and so we're doing uh, a pure battery electric now and looking at some hybrids. So some hydrogen hybrid which is hybrid so we're 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 pretty much you know on the cutting edge of technology looking at things here I've, uh, cool. I've mentioned before on the podcast i think you know we've we've seen some of these autonomous but i've never ridden in one i don't i, I don't know how comfortable i feel just yet and i mean i know the technology is getting there and they're you know elon's on top of it but uh that's right still makes me nervous there you go <laughs> Well, you want to take us home? Yeah, that's right. Let's do it. Just the, uh, you know, we love to get out and uh, see the see the town, see the Mississippi, and go check out places. We had a great meal today at, at Shaggy's local establishment over here. Paul got a cheeseburger, so y'all give him grief. Um, but we want to know: is there, you know, do you have a favorite? And I know maybe maybe easier said than uh, or thought than said to identify a favorite around here locally, but maybe even not right around here. Is there a, maybe a hole in the wall somewhere in the state that you don't get to go by very often? You got a favorite food spot? Well, there's a little uh, 
uh, bed and breakfast right over here um, that's really really good locally owned uh, that we go to and a uh, lot a lot of good food here a lot of different restaurants don't really have a favorite restaurant we got you know call it the circuit that's true uh yeah. but a lot of locally owned places people that do it really well like salutes is one of the favorite places we go to that's not a hole in the wall but that's right it's it, it seems like italian theme but they have a very diverse menu and very good food but i mean i could go on and on this is a food place and that that's right this is a, you know we it's not just seafood it's 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 good food well see that's, that's <laughs> uh, when i you know when i think about seafood i just honestly that's the coast as a whole to me it's either the actual seafood or just i look at food down here and want to eat because to me you can get on a balcony uh and it doesn't really matter which dish you're eating or being served when i'm overlooking the you know the ocean and the waves and the beach out there it's a great meal so if you come Without. to gulfport and you eat lunch and you eat a cheeseburger that's, that's not see good. that was that, bad that is that's not good it's okay we're gonna make him drive <laughs> never home. again never you, again you really you're missing out we're gonna make him <laughs> his punishment will have to be he has to drive home all right uh, <laughs> what if go. what if we asked you so let's see if you have to if you, you know you guys are in a hurry you got to hit a fast food spot what's your go-to fast food uh Popeye's fried chicken. There you go. Oh, yeah. Can't beat it. Eric and we can agree on that. Yeah. Well, <laughs> we, 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 we talked about eating Popeye's on the way down today, actually. There and then uh, last fun one for you. Uh, we talked a little bit about some music uh, and, and growing up and different things you listen to. If you had to pick maybe, you know, Desert Island or Remote Island, you're going to be on it. If you had to pick one. Who's your, who's your? I listen to a lot of different genres like we talked about. I grew up on heavy metal so and right. still listen to that. I, I would say my all-time favorite band was probably – Led Zeppelin. That's awesome. Yeah. Love Led Zeppelin. So, Mikey I mean, Flood in our division would love these answers yeah. very much. <laughs> can't, can't go wrong with Led Zeppelin. He is a rocker, uh, just like Mikey. <laughs> would love that. That's awesome, yeah. man. Yeah, for sure. Well, Paul? Zeppelin's good stuff. Yeah, let's uh, let's wrap things up. Kevin, thank you so much for thank hosting you. us. And so we usually do kind of a standard outro. I'll include our hurricane evacuation information. So visit goem.com forward slash Hurricanes. You can download our hurricane evacuation guide. It's been updated for 2023. You can also check out a hurricane evacuation checklist for everything you need to have before you get out of town. So we'll just wrap things up there. Thank you for all of our listeners for tuning into the Extra Mile podcast. You can watch and listen to episodes by visiting goem.com forward slash the extra mile. Thank you to our editor, Drew Hall. Katie Hornsby has left the building. Thank you, Drew Hall. And uh, remember to follow us on social media, Facebook, Twitter, at Mississippi DOT is the handle. And remember to drive smart out there on Mississippi highways.